made me more of a hipster. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> I'm always open for being more hipster. <laughs> no, it's it's specifically me. Actually, maybe you. I don't know if it's you. It might be both of us. Whenever we do a topic and I get really into the music, yeah, I'm like, I want to own this on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm going to go down the street to the record Did store. Go to the beat shop. I'm going to see if they have this because it's pretty obscure and they have a lot of obscure records there. <laughs> so I'm just going to go crate digging for like three hours. I'll be back. <laughs> and then like, yeah. Then, like the last time we went to the record store and you're like, do you have any Sister Rosetta Thorpe? I hate you so much. But then I was like, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> See, you're kind of a hipster too now. You're like, oh, yeah. Maybe I could we take should... some Sister Rosetta Thorpe. That would be nice. Yeah. How about uh, how about some of that? I don't know. Uh, I can't even think. How about some of that Buffy St. Marie? Huh? <laughs> how about some of that? You guys got any Buffy St. Marie? And then the fucking... And then the guy's like, oh, no, usually when those come in, you know, they go right back out. And then like 15 minutes later, he's like, I looked in the back and, you know, wouldn't you know it, found some Sister Rosetta Thorpe for you. Wouldn't you know, we have actually like 20 copies of them. <laughs> I just never put them out. Eh, huh? Nobody ever asked for them. <laughs> Except those, once a year, some random white hipster lady comes in <laughs> and is like, hey, you got any of these obscure black jazz <laughs> Singers. Got got some obscure black jazz singers. <laughs> oh, look at this. Ella Fitzgerald sings the Gershwin classics. <laughs> Everyone I, has that one. I mean, I do now. Well, there you go. <laughs> Welcome to Rock Candy. Home of obscure jazz singers. <laughs> Apparently. And white hipster ladies looking for their vinyls. <laughs> That's our classified white hipster lady searching for obscure black jazz artist vinyl. Seeking obscure black jazz. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's us right here. Yep. Yep. We're your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats from the world of music. And we're your hosts. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And Newly vaccinated. Oh, yay. She fucking did it. Just got my second shot. Bow, 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 bow. Can't we dated the podcast. Yay. Woo. <laughs> Can't wait to feel like shit tomorrow. So. Well, so let's really, we got to go hard tonight then. Oh, no. We're going to go real hard tonight. No, because like, it's also shark week and like. Oh my God, you planned this so poorly. So badly. Uh, it's shark week and I have a splitting headache today. So I am doing great. <laughs> Well, good news is it's your t- night it to is tell a tale. A goddamn banner day for me. <laughs> Thank God it's my turn to narrate. <laughs> you can tell how how great of a mood I'm in by how fucking sarcastic I am. I just figured that's you. Yeah. This is my mood it's just <laughs> all you. the time. Turns out you're always like that. Turns out always this shitty. But yeah. But I think your your topic tonight is a good one. It is a good one, but and- Fuck, is it bleak? Oh, okay. I figured as much. After listening to the album today, I'm like, this is a mood. Oh, very I'm much. I'm here for it. This is a whole entire mood. This is a mood, and I want to know the story behind it. Yeah, this this is what we are now going to call the Bruce Springsteen Nebraska mood. All right. Because that's what we're talking about. Are you all smiling right now? Stop it. Stop it. We're you, st- you're not going to- here on out. Bruce Springsteen Nebraska mood. Yeah. This isn't <laughs> fucking born to run- 
Same born in the USA. Nobody's being born right now. Yeah, nobody's born. Nobody's dancing in the dark. I'm pretty sure everyone's dying. We're dying in the dark, not dancing in the no, dark. No. <laughs> We're just dying in the dark. Get out of here, Courtney Cox. <laughs> dying. Nobody wants to see your dumb dance moves. Get off stage. Oh, I, she had lovely little dance moves. And the cutest little short hair. I know. Very she cute does, in that She thing. pulls off short hair very well. Yes, she, she should did. continue that. Just saying, Courtney Cox, if you're listening, <laughs> cut, cut your hair off you're again. Listening. <laughs> and let's play our favorite game, Six Degrees of Beer. It's not too many degrees this yeah. time. Yeah. So you grabbed me a yogurt sour ale. Which I've never heard of before. And guys, it's just a sour beer with lactose in it. Like, come on. Yeah. Stop it. It's still good. It is good. It's and still I, quite good. It's a strawberry vanilla sour vanilla made with, with cheese yogurt. <laughs> no, it's made with Argyle cheese farmer yogurt. Okay, sure. So there's that. <laughs> but it's still good. It is quite good. It is called Cadillac Dreams from Northway Collab. And that is because Bruce wrote a song called Pink Cadillac, which actually ended up on Born in the USA, which is say. the album after Nebraska. However, he wrote it and recorded it during the sessions for Nebraska. And then was he like, mm, this is a little not right mood. It's a little too jaunty of a tune. It doesn't really go with the Bruce Springsteen Nebraska yeah. mood. The mood. <laughs> the hashtag mood of this album. So. The BSN mood. Yeah. That's what we're calling Bruce it from Springsteen now Nebraska mood. Yes. BSN mood. But then I also got American Ooh. cider. Ooh. Get it? Because he's American. And he really likes to sing about being American. He likes to remind us that he is quite patriotic. But so. also he isn't. But also quite critical, just in the same way as John Mellencamp was. But he's not nearly as obnoxious as John <laughs> Mellencamp. I like John Mellencamp, but that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. You know, well, is it John Mellencamp, John Cougar Mellencamp, or JCM? Just, or just John Cougar? Mm. There's, too many, there's too many iterations. Too many Cougars. And he's not Prince, so he can't get away with it. <laughs> Sorry, JCM. Well, guess what? He did. He got away with it. Whether you like it or not. This man is still running free after all of those names. We let him get away with it. We did. I'm mad at us. Because he's so American. He's wrote a little ditty about Jack and Diane. Oh, my God. The, okay. Yeah. No, that song is awful. Suck it on a chili dog. Suck it on a chili dog. Suck it on a chili dog. But suck it on a chili dog. But suck it on a chili dog. But suck it on a chili dog. <laughs> Okay, nope, we're we're stopping it right here. Hey, hey, BSN mood. Okay, Focus. we can't laugh. No more laughter. I'm I am ready to hear all about this iconic and the interesting album, and definitely a little bit not what I expected. It's not what anybody expected, which I think is what makes it interesting. Yes. Mm. All right. All right. Let's, buckle let's, up, kids. Let's, let's go. go. Get in, the, get in the station wagon. We're taking a road trip to Minnesota. Get in that Woody station wagon. Oh, yeah. We're all just... The two youngest, they're going to sit backwards in the back. It's going to be great. <laughs> that was the funnest part about a station wagon. That really was. Just by looking at the cover of Bruce Springsteen's album, Nebraska, you can tell that this isn't going to be like any other Springsteen album. Mm-mm. 
It's just a black and white photo of an empty dirt road, flat landscape, and the dashboard of a car. In bright red block letters is Bruce's name and the album title, in abrupt and jarring contrast to the photo. It's dark, it's lonely, and it's bleak. Exactly how you would describe the songs contained within it. Mm Mm-hmm. It was the beginning of 1982, and Bruce and the E Street Band had just come off a year-long tour for their massively successful double album, The River. Oh, yeah. Bruce made his way to Colts Neck, New Jersey, where he rented a house in hopes of recuperating and writing new material. He purposely kept himself in relative isolation, only asking his guitar tech, Mike Batlin, to buy a tape recorder so he could record himself without having to rent out a studio. Wow. Yeah, this totally is like, different from how he usually writes. Yeah. Because he would usually just go into the studio and like write some stuff quick and then record it. Not really like it. Hem and haw about it. Go home, write more stuff, go back to the studio, record it and be like, man, do I like this? Then more bring hemming, in, more hawing. Playing, then bring in the E Street <laughs> band and they're like, no, we can work with this. And then they make it great. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. That's a Bruce Springsteen album. <laughs> there you go. We don't even need to do an episode on him now. <laughs> we did it. Except. Except for this album. <laughs> He started recording on January 3rd, 1982, and it turned into a marathon writing session, laying out 15 tracks in one night. Dag. Yeah. No sleep till we got 15 tracks on this demo tape. (laughs) (laughs) They were intended to just be a demo that he would bring to the studio and let the E Street Band flesh them out. Eventually, they did create full band versions of some songs, including Born in the USA, Pink Cadillac, Downbound Train and Working on the Highway, which weren't even on the album. No. With the exception of Pink Cadillac, all of them ended up on Bruce and the E Street Band's next album, 1984's Born in the USA. Pink Cadillac wasn't on the album. It was a B-side to Dance. It was a B-side to something. It might have been Dancing in the Dark. I don't remember. To something. To something. It came out later. Yeah. Again, too jaunty of a tune for this album. (laughs) But after trying and trying, the songs on Nebraska just didn't sound right with a full band. Instead, they just used the tracks Bruce recorded on his tape recorder. These songs were absolutely meant to be as simple as possible, so the rawness and isolation could come through in the songs. Oh, they do. Oh, yes, they do. Oh, boy. Released on September 30th, 1982, it threw fans for a loop because it was in such contrast to his previous albums. Simple instrumentation and the melancholy of Bruce's vocals were very different from the powerful ballads and rock-driven pop songs that he was popular for. So when Nebraska was released, the stark contrast in moods left some people scratching their heads. Yeah, I believe it. People don't like change. Yeah, we fear change. (laughs) (laughs) But now Nebraska is considered an essential and important part of Bruce's catalog. It is storytelling at its finest, and each song tells a different story. We are introduced in each song to different characters with stories that are dismal and heartbreaking. Mm. They are down on their luck people just trying to get through life as best they can, even though life punches them down repeatedly. Most of them have zero chance of changing their circumstances, and some are directly faced with their own death. And these songs are filled with raw emotion, and it's conveyed in the bare bones instrumentation and production. They're simple, using only an acoustic guitar, harmonica, and vocals in most songs, with a few other instruments thrown in here and there for good measure. Bruce's voice has a tinge of melancholy throughout, and it's obvious that he's going through some shit. 
oh, I'm wondering. I was like, did someone die? Did something happen? What's going on with Bruce here? As far as I know, nobody died. Okay. I think he just like was kind of maybe disillusioned with some shit. Maybe some shit was going on with his his lady. Yeah. Because, you know, he was, I've, I forgot his first wife's name. As did I. Um, But I think it's like Susan or something. Suzanne? Suzanne. I think it's Suzanne. Susie. Little Susie. Little Susie. Um, I know that at some point in the 80s, things weren't going so great. And then he divorced her. Oof. And but I feel like that was later in the 80s. It was. And then in 1991, he married Patty, who was part of the E Street Band. Yes. So who knows what the fuck was going on. But um, yeah, he might have just been like, yeah, I'm just going to stay here by myself and uh, work on my music. There you go. Yeah. You know, normally, and I noticed this while I was listening, my first run through with most albums or songs, music, whatever that I'm testing out, I Mm -hmm. usually don't hear the lyrics a lot of the time because there's just usually so much happening. I can't focus. But you can't get away from the lyrics. No, in this one, and it's, I'm sure it's all on purpose, especially because he's like, nah, I'm just going to use my harmonica and a guitar and that's it. Because that's like all you have is the storytelling. Yep. I mean, that's not fair. The The songs are beautifully written as far as the instrumentation goes. Yeah. But it is all to serve the purpose for him to tell these stories. Because I would notice, I'm like, oh shit, what's going on here? Yeah. What's this guy doing? Yeah, no. What's going to happen he's, with this guy? He's literally, oh my God, what happened? <laughs> he's literally telling you what it, like a story about these characters in these songs. Yeah. And... It's almost like you're glued because you want to know what, what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, oh, this guy shot this guy and now he's like running from the cops. What's going to happen? Yes, exactly. You yeah. get really caught up in the stories. Yeah. So let's go into the first song. All right. On this album, which is called, obviously, Nebraska. From the town of Lincoln, Nebraska. With a sawed off 14 on my land Through the badlands of Wyoming I killed everything in my So I do want to say, when I was listening to the song, I was like, is this Bob Dylan? <laughs> he is totally serving some Bob Dylan realness in yeah, the song. Yeah, but like, Between I can the actually... harmonica and the, she was twirling her baton. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, is he, is he trying to do a Bob on this? He sounds better than Bob, honestly. I mean, I can tell what he's saying, yes, so yeah. you are correct in that. He is not literally talking through his nose. No. So. But he kind of is. A little bit, but he he's from Jersey. He can't do it totally. Yeah. He he's got to go open his Bob. mouth and be like, hey. <laughs> That's your impression of a person from New Jersey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right. Cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so right off the bat, we're confronted with a bleak as fuck theme here. Yeah. The title track is little more than vocals, a guitar, and a bit of harmonica. 
And the harmonica is sharp, just jabbing you in the ribs with discomfort, which seems intentional. Oh. The reverb on Bruce's vocals conjure images of him singing in a big empty room, which mimics the sense of stark isolation and sets the mood for the rest of the album. Damn, Bruce, who hurt you? (laughs) I don't know, but they really hurt him. I'm going to say America. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's America. He'd be like, America hurt me. America hurt me real bad. The lyrics certainly help with that feeling, as they are about real-life serial killer Charles Starkweather. I didn't catch that? Yeah. Well, shit. Yeah. All right. The song is written from Charles's point of view, and the song mentions how the teenager met his girlfriend, Carol Ann Fugate, twirling her baton on her front lawn. From there, he describes the pair going for a ride in his car, after which 10 people die. A judge finds him guilty and he's sentenced to death. And the song is surprisingly historically accurate. Hmm. Starkweather met Fugate in 1956 when he was 18 and she was 13. Woof. No. Gross. Not cool. Like, forget the fucking murders. Okay. <laughs> For a second. Here? Can we just be like, mm-hmm. no. 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 Mm-mm. They began dating shortly thereafter, and on November 30th, 1957, Starkweather murdered his first victim, a gas station attendant who wouldn't let him buy a stuffed animal on credit. Oh. Totally worth just offing a dude for that. uh, All right. Choices. Yeah. (laughs) Two months later, on January 21st, 1958, Starkweather and Fugate went on a killing spree that started with her mother and stepfather. Holy shit. Oh, so she's involved in these killings. That is contested. Ooh. I'll get to it. All right. It ended six days later with a total of 10 victims. Jeez. 11 if you count, like, the guy that he killed before. You know what? I'm going to count him. Yeah. I count him. Yeah. Starkweather was tried for only one of the murders, but he was convicted and sentenced to death. Fugate insisted she was held hostage by Starkweather and never killed anyone, hmm. but she she was convicted as an accomplice and sentenced to life in prison. However, she only served seven, 17 and a half years and was released in 1976. So they threw her life in prison. But she got out. When she was 13, though, or 14? 14. She was 14. Still. Yeah. I, 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 you know what? <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I would I, say I give her another. You know what? I would say give her another shot. There really is no evidence that she actually killed anybody. Right. And I mean, an 18-year-old. And a 13, or I'm sorry, I guess 19 and 14 at 19 this point. 19 and 14, yes. Yeah, I don't know if I would hold her accountable for as much just by age alone, and even also, if she did help. And also, like, there are laws, I'm sure she was tried as a minor, and there are laws that allow minors, I guess, once they turn 18 or 21 or whatever, their cases can get reevaluated. Mm. And all that fucking shit. But Damn, I mean, she got tried as a minor and still got fucking and life. Still got life. When there was really no evidence that she actually killed anybody. The only evidence there was was Starkweather's like um testimony. Testimony against her. Yeah. That was it. And it's like, can you really trust that guy? No. You can't. Should should we take his word? No, we shouldn't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no. 
So, yeah, we're really starting off with a bang here. Yeah. Bruce got the idea for the song after watching the 1973 movie Badlands, which is based on the Starkweather murders. Oh. And that is where he got the image of Starkweather spotting Fugate twirling a baton on her front lawn. That was in the movie. Oh. Linguistically, the song is quite reminiscent of Southern Gothic novelist Flannery O'Connor. In the lead up to writing the album, Bruce was reading a lot of her work, which generally focused on violent and grotesque characters. I have never read her work. I haven't either, but she sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. She sounds quite sardonic. And like calendar word. Yeah. For somebody who wrote stuff, I think in the 30s and 40s, she was like, fuck this world. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know what? Fuck this. A a bit nihilistic, but also like eye rolly about everything, I guess. Someone you could really just hang out with. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I feel you, girl. Yeah. The last line of the song, I guess there's just a meanness in this world, comes from the ending of Flannery O'Connor's story, A Good Man is Hard to Find. Ooh. All all right. A little bit dark. Yeah. A little dark. Holy shit. Well, now I'm looking at this album even darker than before. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really get lighter. No. (laughs) From here. Not really. Not really. No. Except the next song is a little bit, I guess more up-tempo i don't know but it's a really good song it is a really good song yes so this next one is atlantic city Monica Solo <laughs> ever. I'm pretty sure that the guys in the Gaslight Anthem heard this song and they were like, that's it. We're just going to remake this song over the span of five or six albums. Oh my God. <laughs> and that is, that's going to be us. That's, that's the, Gantha- the Gaslight we're just, Anthem. We're just Atlantic City on five or six different albums. Basically. But you know what? They did it really well and I fucking love them for it. Good so. for you, Gaslight Anthem. Yeah. Like if you didn't tell me if I had no idea what that song was and you didn't tell me it was Bruce Springsteen I probably would have been like is this Gaslight Anthem (laughs) (laughs) well shit I mean could be could be so this is a hauntingly beautiful song oh yeah about a guy down on his luck can't find a job he's got gambling debts he can't pay and he's about to take a job with the mob because he has no other way of getting money oh yeah but fuck it Put on your party dress because tonight we're going to have a good time in Atlantic City. Which makes sense because you're working with the mob. Exactly. Do you, in your notes, do you explain what what the chicken man is? The chicken man was a mobster from Philadelphia. And he says, well, they blew up the chicken man last night in Philly. That's because another mobster put a, a bomb in his house and blew it up and killed him. So it's about the mob. So I always just had like this visual of a... Guy in a chicken suit. (laughs) Just on the boardwalk of Atlantic City. They just tied him to a rocket. Like, (laughs) I was just like, I don't know what the fuck they mean. Uh, I'm just picturing the chicken 
guy from, from Family, Family guy. guy. Yeah, let's be honest. But like, wow, that's dark. That's, yeah. Wow. Nope. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 So yeah, like the whole thing is like, fuck it. We're still gonna go to Atlantic City I mean, and have a good time. Do your hair real pretty. Yeah. Meet me in Atlantic City. Exactly. Do it. But the idea of Atlantic City being an escape is even a bit sus. Um, have you been to Atlantic City? I have not, and I never want to go. Don't, don't ever do <laughs> no. it, especially in the off season. It's, it's sad. like fucking Silent Hill. Yeah, and terrifying. I I've been to the real Silent Hill, so I would probably rather go back there. Yeah, everyone should. <laughs> everyone hears Atlantic City and thinks of bright lights and Trump casinos and fancy hotels, Mm-mm. but the reality is Atlantic City has been in decline since the 1950s. Wow, that long? Oh, yeah. Oh. It was founded in the early 19th century by a doctor who saw this empty strip of land off the coast of New Jersey and thought, fresh air, health benefits, I'll build an expensive resort for my patients. Uh, uh, wow. Yeah, totally logical here. Totally logical. Okay. By the late 1800s, the town was host to 3 million tourists a year, which exploded to 16 million by the 1930s. And tourists came to indulge themselves and revel in consequence-free gambling. Why was it consequence-free? You still lose your money, bitch. No, like you could not get arrested for it. It Was was, gambling illegal back then? It was illegal, but Mm. there was like... Uh, an, an understanding. Everything's legal in New Jersey. With the local government. Well, everything was legal in Atlantic City, not oh. in New Jersey. But No, everything's legal in Jersey. <laughs> everything's still legal in Jersey. Yep. <laughs> All those weird sex acts? Legal. legal in New Jersey. We see you, New Jersey. <laughs> Got our eye on you. But all of that glitz and glam eventually led to a seedier side of town developing, and by the turn of the century, brothels, speakeasies, and gambling parlors cropped up all around the city, operate operating outside the law, with the law too scared or too lazy to crack down on them. Why not both? Both. Both. Skazy. (laughs) Skazy? They're scared and lazy. That sounds like scabies. Yeah, I know. It fits. (laughs) Once the mob got a hold of the city and World War II effectively obliterated the family vacation tradition, Atlantic City declined pretty rapidly. The city had hit rock bottom in the 1970s, around the time Bruce wrote this song. Mm. The government finally cracked down on corruption and organized crime, which of course hit the news and sent tourists elsewhere. Jobs dissolved, residents moved, and poverty increased, sending the city into financial freefall. Even legalized gambling couldn't bring any money back to the city. So this was the backdrop that Bruce wrote this song against. There's very little hope in this song. More like a feeling of, well, this is how it's going to be. Got to make the best of it somehow. So I ain't got no money. I'm about to take a job with the mob. So let's just go fuck off on the city. Sure. Maybe, Maybe I'll do a couple slot machines. Make a couple schmeckles. Play some blackjack. There you go. Play some, is it Kino? Is it? Play some Kino? Yeah, why not? Huh. I don't know. Play some uh, Take Five. Is that the one? 
That's that's a lottery thing. Yeah, right. Sure. It's gambling. Yeah. I gamble. <laughs> I don't gamble. I have no idea. <laughs> but also, isn't Atlantic City still like the place where everybody's like, let's go there for our bachelorette? Or yeah. like, our, yo, we'll go have a big badass bachelor party down and in everybody, Atlantic City. Everybody seems to think it's like Vegas. Oh, it's not. It's not. I went once with a good friend to help him with um a convention that he was working. And first of all, why is there a convention, a gaming convention in New York City? We don't know. We found out it was a con anyway. Like, not a, just a, a con, convention, con? but it was, it was a con con. Con job con? It was a con job con <laughs> for sure. And we tried to find a cheap motel. Who there were bed bugs. Oh, that was the bed bugs incident. That was incident. the bed bugs incident. And we were like, and we're leaving? And, and we're fuck done. this place. So that's what I associate Atlantic City with is bed bugs and Silent Hill. So... Don't go to Atlantic City. Mm-mm. You will possibly get murdered, but you will definitely get bed bugs. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Thank Moral you. of the story. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> and get bed bugs in Atlantic <laughs> City. I will say this might be my favorite Bruce Sprong. Bruce Sprong. Bruce song. Bruce Sprongston song. Bruce Sprongston. This might be my favorite Bruce, Bruce song. Bruce Sprongston. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> like a bizarro version of Bruce Springsteen. This album already is like a bizarro version of Bruce Springsteen, so he needs the name to go inside with it. So Brace Sprongston. Oh right. There you go. Yeah. No, I remember hearing this a few years ago and I was in a bad place and I'm like, this song fits me. Even though I have no idea what it's about and I don't know what I a have, chicken man is. I have all the feels I have feels. right now. Oh, what are feelings? And you basically ended up like me watching the series finale of Superstore the other night. It's all right. You cried during the finale I of cried. Superstore. I cried during Cobra Kai. I don't know what's wrong with <laughs> us are right we? now. Who are we? I don't know. Is this what getting old is? You just cry You yeah, cry for no reason. This is it right now. Yeah. It's beautiful. I care so much. Why am I crying during an underrated sitcom series finale? <laughs> This is my life. This, the, you this know is what? COVID. You know what? Put your makeup on. Do your hair look pretty. Let's go you to know what? Atlantic this, City. It's our This Is Us. Oh, God. <laughs> Except no flaming crock pots, just crying during Cobra Kai. <laughs> 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 That's the crying we do in uh, an hour. This, this Is, is us. us. And then we just eat trash. Literal <laughs> trash. <laughs> Okay, well, it's okay. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna bring it up. We're gonna bring up the mood with the next song. Are we? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Okay, this one's Mansion on the a Hill. This is Mansion on the Hill. Children playing on the road that leads to those gates of heart and steel. Even he sounds really sad. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, you're listening to that, you hear how clear it is and yeah. how very, a very nice audio clip that is. Mm hmm. Can you imagine the leaps that they had to go through to get this from like a shitty four track recorder <laughs> to like a really nice sounding Oh, I just track. assumed he re-recorded it. He did not. Oh. No. So the demos, I'm 
maybe I didn't put that in my notes. I knew I should have, and I probably you may forgot. Have, and I just um, might have forgotten already. So yeah, he recorded those on that tape recorder that his guitar tech got for him, and it was just like a four-track tape recorder. Mm. So he just recorded all of these songs in that marathon, uh, like fifteen-song burst of creativity, mm. and then tried to flesh them out with the E Street Band. It didn't work. So they ended up using the versions that were on the demo tapes that he had recorded. You said that, but for some reason, my brain said they used the versions like he just redid it. (laughs) (laughs) No, he used. Yeah. Like those demo tapes became the album. They were just like. Got it. Because. Wow. What the fuck? How do you make the leaps and bounds? I don't know. Can you give me that technology so I can fix our first handful of episodes? Yeah. And this is like 1982 technology. So, man. Man, whose dick you got to suck to get that kind of treatment? I don't know. (laughs) Not Brace Sprongston's. (laughs) Oh, but you know what? A young Brace Sprongston. Even a 71-year-old Brace Sprongston. Yeah. Can always get it. (laughs) I also mean that about Bruce Springsteen, too. Both of them, you know? Yeah, they could both get it. They are both very attractive men. They, they are. Silver Fox. Oh, my God. Indeed. So, anyway, Mansion on the Hill. Yes. This song is very much steeped in nostalgia. Yeah. The lyrics are from a child's point of view or could be from a grown man who is looking back on his childhood. Do you mean Bruce? Pump the brakes, Maggie, okay? <laughs> Jesus. Stealing a thunder. By the power of Brace Sprongson, calm your tits. (laughs) Considering the character addresses his counterpart as Sir, I would say is kind of a kid talking. Yeah. But also he he does that throughout the album. Like he'll be speaking in first person Mm -hmm. by in the viewpoint of whatever character he's talking about, and he'll say sir. Maybe he's just very polite. Maybe. 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 <laughs> um, but anyway, this is actually a pretty biographical song. Mm. It's based on memories Bruce had of driving around with his father who would park their car just outside of town within sight of a big white house on the hill and they would just stare at it. Ooh. Like his dad was just in love with this house. How many times like do parents do that? They're like, let's drive around and look at houses we'll never live in. But I wish we did. Oh, still, when I'm in the car with my mom, we'll be looking out the window and I'll be like, I like that house. She'll be like, but I like that one. Oh, I like the color on that house. It's like, why? Who cares? They're Who cares? just fucking We're houses. We're never going to live there. We're never going to live there. We're in towns <laughs> that we will never live in. <laughs> It so doesn't Bruce, matter. So Bruce Springsteen's dad did the same thing. He did. Okay. And like dragged his kids around to do it. <laughs> Bruce once said, my father was always transfixed by money, which I get it. Yeah. His father, Douglas, was a bus driver, which was a pretty middle to lower middle class job. But his mother, Adele, was a legal secretary. Therefore, she brought in a majority of the family's income. On top of that, Adele's father was a very successful and therefore very well off lawyer. Oh, shit. So being transfixed by money when your wife and her father are bringing in most of the money in a 1950s household. Yeah. 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 You can feel kind of emasculated a little bit. Yeah. And back then, of course. Of course. Yeah. When, you know, being masculine really mattered mattered or meant something. (laughs) 
Anyway, this is another song that has a strong harmonica presence. And Sweet harmonica, man. Yeah. Harmonicas always make me think of blue collar music because it's usually present in more down to earth genres like country and bluegrass, mm-hmm. which I think was intentional here if Bruce is talking about his dad, who is more of a blue collar kind of guy. Yeah. So, yeah. This is not the only bruce's memory lane kind of song we'll we got we'll a talk about these. we got a few of these got a few of these but suckers. we'll move on to the next one yeah yeah for now which is johnny 99 this is one song where I think live having a full band it could be a really fun song oh yeah but yeah, this has this has a nice little pep to it yeah it's got peps peps in its steps it does have peps in its steps yeah and and some ball crunching howling. It does. I'm pretty sure Bruce was crunching his own balls when he was doing those owls. <laughs> yeah. So in this song, here we meet Ralph, a.k.a. Johnny 99. I don't know where he got Johnny from Ralph, but okay. Sure. Why not? Ralph was a line worker at an automobile factory in Mawa, New Jersey, which oh. I, which we have driven through many a time. Mawa times. Mawa. Mawa. But the factory closed down. So Ralph, down on his luck with nothing left to lose, got shit-faced and murdered a store clerk. That's not a great idea. John. Ralph. Johnny? Ralph John Ralphio. John Ralphio. The cops arrested Johnny and the judge sentenced him to 99 years in prison. That's why they call him Johnny 99. Oh, clever. When the judge asked Ralph if he had anything to say, Ralph basically said, I lost my job. They're taking my house away from me. I'm going to jail for the rest of my life. I have nothing left. Just execute me. Damn. Just fucking kill me. It is terribly bleak. Which is ironic considering the rockab- rockabilly flavor of the yeah, tune. Yeah, seriously. Like, it's like cr- creative choice, Bruce. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can do this. I can get in on this, you know, morbid thing. Yeah. That's fine. But also, why are you so cheerful singing it? <laughs> I mean, I don't think he really well, no, even he didn't sounds sound that cheerful. cheerful. It's, just, it's just the guitar. It's just yeah. got some real plucky. And I think to that's it. probably why they chose not to have a full band on this song, even mm. though they could have done that, because it's the 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 musicianship of it is very upbeat. Yeah. But the but lyrically it is Wow, it's depressing. Yeah, it's some real renegade rock. Oh my God. Are you referencing his podcast with Barack Obama? I did not mean to, but here we are. Here we are. Renegades. That that podcast exists. Do you need to listen to it? Nope. 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 Probably not. Again, it's only Bruce, a guitar and a harmonica. The same as Mansion on the Hill and Nebraska, but there's some pep in the song Step, so Probably to offset the horribly depress- depressing subject matter, yes. which I just said. <laughs> so, yeah, that's 
that's pretty much the gist of this song. I feel like when you listen to this song more, even more so than the other ones, I really do hear the demo in it. Oh, yeah, definitely. In the vocals. Yeah. For sure. But, yeah, and some of the ooh-hoos or whatever in this song, mm-hmm. um, you can hear his voice crack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, you can tell he's not really doing trying to do this, like, real good. He's just doing it for the demo. Yeah. Um, But it makes sense to have that crackling, to have that imperfection. Oh, yeah. In his voice. Because he wasn't a perfect singer to begin with. And I don't think that's ever what... I mean, maybe now. I don't know. I don't think that's ever really Bruce's MO. Nah. Yeah. Nah. He's just... He's like, I'm here. I'm here to tell you a story. Who cares if my vocals are perfect? And then I'm going to take a few shots of Tanqueray and speed off on my motorbike out of this state park. And then you're going to get in trouble, yeah. sir. And then you're going to have a highway patrolman <gasps> on... On your oh. ass. And, oh, 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 that's the oh, name of the oh, next song. Oh, she oh my did God. it. She did it. Next song here. Highway Patrolman. Frankie came home in 68. And me, I took this job. Yeah, we're laughing and drinking. Nothing feels better than blood on blood. Taking turns dancing with me. As a band played night at the Johnstown Club, I catch him when the street. Yeah, another song that's not particularly exciting musically, but right. lyrically, boy, does this story rope you in. This story 100% roped me, and I'm like, what's going on? Joe here? and Frankie, they're brothers. We got a mystery. Who's going to end up with Marie? <laughs> what is going on? Why are they're they both dancing, dancing to- with Maria. This song doesn't he, like what, I forgot what they called the song that they were dancing to. The flood, the night of the John- Johnstown flood. I'm like, who dances to that song? Is it a happy song? Is it a slow <laughs> song? What is the well, song? Do I have to look up this song now? God damn it! Well, now I got to look up the song now. Well, so we'll talk about this song first. Okay. So this song tells the story of Joe Roberts and his brother Frankie. Set in the 1960s, Joe tells us about how the brothers were close growing up, but as they got older, Frankie got himself into more and more trouble. A little troublemaker Frankie. Frankie joined the army in 1965 and went to Vietnam while Joe, Joe stayed behind, trying to build a farm with his wife and kids. But the farm failed. Frankie came home. And while Joe took a job with the police, Frankie continued on a downward path. Mm. I mean, nom. Yeah. It's going to fuck you up, but like, man. If you were already like a petty criminal and then you go to nom, yeah, nom's going to fuck you up. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame him. Mm. One night, Joe gets a call that there is a bar fight somewhere in Michigan by the Canadian border. It was Frank who had beaten someone within an inch of his life in a bar fight. Mm -hmm. He found Frank speeding down the road, and after chasing him for a while in his cruiser, Joe pulled off to the side of the road and let Frank get away to Canada. Yeah. This is one of the few songs on the album that has a slight message of hope. Mm. It at least has the message of love, as Joe can't bear to catch up with his brother and arrest him, so he lets him get away. Like, oh, you went to Canada. I couldn't keep going. Oh, no. Whoops. So the funny thing is I um, looked as I was writing my notes. I just put this up on YouTube to listen to it while I was writing. And I found a video and it was it looked like it was from a movie. 
Oh. And I was like, this is kind of weird. Like, is this the actual video for it? Because there were some big names in it. And I was like, this seems weird. Yeah. So I looked it up. And it actually, there was a movie written based on this song. Oh, shit. So this song actually inspired Sean Penn oh to God. write and direct his 1991 film, The Indian Runner. Oh. And I know exactly what the cover of this movie looks like because I stared at it for five years while working at a video <laughs> store. Please, someone rent Indian <laughs> Runner. But I've never seen it or knew what it was about. But lo and behold, the storyline mimics this song to a fucking T. Oh, shit. And Sean Penn fleshed out the characters and put some pretty compelling backstory in. Okay. It stars an impressive cast with Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, and Benicio Del Toro, oh, among shit. others. Playing Joe is David Morse, who I don't know. That name sounds super familiar, though. And in the role of hot but troubled Frankie mm. is... You know, one of our favorite fantasy actors who also plays a hot but troubled ranger of oh, Numenorean stop. descent. Stop. Vigo Mortensen. Oh, God, now we have to watch it. I know. He looks so good at it, oh, too. Oh, God, I bet he does. Fucking chin dimple. I oh, like... Chimple. In, <laughs> his chimple. His <laughs> chimple. So, um, as I was watching the video, like... In the first few scenes that he's in there, you can't really see his face. You just see his chin, and I'm like... <laughs> I know that chin. Is that Vigo Mortensen? Oh, God. Aragorn, what are you doing? Basement flooded. Oh, so flooded. All right. Well, movie night. Yeah. It's going to be fucking depressing. Mm. But lots of Vigo Mortensen. So Vigo Mortensen in some nice straight khakis and like the 60s button up shirt with the mm. with the white tank top underneath it. Yeah. He looks good. Mm, he looks real good. I bet. But anyway, okay, let's yeah, we let's gotta move digress. on. We, we gotta digress. But like, whew. movie night. <laughs> <laughs> so the next song. Speaking of movie night, that was a terrible transition. Yeah, Mine was why, way better. Yeah, no, of course it was. <laughs> However, I feel like this song is just a good transition from the last song anyway. Yeah, because we go from Highway Patrolman to State Trooper. License registration. I ain't got enough, but I got a clear conscience about the things that I Mr. State Trooper, please don't stop me. This reminds me a lot of ACDC's Long Way to the Top, if you want to rock and roll. Because the chorus is riding down the highway. Oh, my God. Going to a show. So he says, New Jersey Turnpike. Yeah. And I'm in my head, I'm like, going to a show. <laughs> it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Okay. But I also, this song, like, he just repeats um trooper don't stop me or something yeah. yeah something like that don't stop me now don't stop me now that's not <laughs> <Nope>. it no <laughs> no um please but like, don't stop yes me. thank you so like that is exactly what i think over and over in my head whenever i see a cop on the highway <laughs> i'm like <laughs> 
<laughs> please don't stop me. Please, please don't, don't stop, stop me. Please, please don't, don't stop me. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so accurate. To me, this is the most mysterious song on the album. Mm-hmm. We don't get a clear sense of who the character is or what they're running from. So we almost get the freedom to make up our own story. He knows he doesn't want to be stopped and he does have a clear conscience. That's it. But I that leads me to think he did something bad. Right. He had to have done something bad. Absolutely. He TP'd his teacher's house for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Written from the aspect of like a middle schooler. <laughs> It's just a 15-year-old that got a D on his math quiz. (laughs) Please don't stop me. Because I don't have a license because I'm only 15. (laughs) Anyway, we know they're running from something. We know they did something wrong. But what exactly was it? Did they just murder someone? Or are they just running from themselves? I was really hoping you could tell me. I I can't. Well, what the fuck good are you then? (laughs) (laughs) We can make it up. Oh. That's the thing. So anyway, I saw on Reddit a fun theory about the composition of the song. Ooh. Specifically the woo burst that Bruce peppers throughout the song. Mm-hmm. Like in the background, you can just hear him like wooing. You got to you gotta admit, the, this is Bruce's woo album for oh, sure. Oh yeah, he does a lot of woos. He's really into the woo. He's, he's a background woo boy. <laughs> background woo boy. <laughs> they could possibly be interpreted as the sirens of the cop car chasing the character. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. So, okay. I'm glad I was right. If you Reddit are, says it, it has to be You are true. on par with these Reddit theorists. Ooh. And they're the professionals. <laughs> they are the professionals. They, they are doing God's work. Seek the elders on yeah. Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Brace Sprongstein. Sprongston, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, maybe it's just, you know, what you want it to be. <laughs> Sirens. Woo! <laughs> Okay, let's go on to the next one. Wow. You're like, you know what? Uh, Eh. Sirens. Woo. Sirens. Woo. (laughs) Sound of the police. That's the sound of the police. (laughs) Whoop, whoop. That's the sound that they make. Okay. Next one. Right, right. Oh, speaking of cars. Cars. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. This is used cars. Watches the salesman stare at my Telling us all about the break he'd give us If he could, but he just can't If I could, I swear I'd know just what I'd do Now, Mr. Day, the lottery I win I ain't ever gonna ride no used car Is this a song about getting swindled? (laughs) No, it's not. Because, like, when I see used cars, I'm like, oh. That fucking salesman, what did he do? Yeah, right? My dad totally owns a dealership. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to take it over when I'm, like, 20. My dad's, like, really training me, man. The Billy Fusillo of folk songs. But first, I got to go to Atlantic City with my boys. (laughs) It's, Atlantic City is totally where it's at. Is know. is Bruce Springsteen really just like covertly writing about stupid frat boys? Probably. All right. Honestly, it is Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Kind of kind of fratty. Like not on his choice, but like no, frat he didn't boys. do it on purpose. It's no. just frat boys gravitated towards him because like, he is the oh only. Man. He was the only like 
eight, 70s and 80s musician that had any clout whatsoever. You know what it was? It's like when they were younger, they just saw his butt on the cover of Born in the USA, and they're like, this makes me feel things. <laughs> I shouldn't be feeling them. I'm not gay, man. I just really respect I'm Bruce just a big patriot, okay? Right? I like the boss. <laughs> Give me my gun. I gotta shoot something. It's not my dick because I just looked at Bruce Springsteen on the cover of Born in the USA. Uh, it's not gay if I shoot my actual gun. <laughs> That's super not gay. <laughs> so here we are revisiting a character that we were introduced to earlier. Oh, shit. In the song Mansion on the Hill. It is again told from the perspective of the little boy, which we could interpret as Bruce himself. And he has said that this song is a snapshot from his childhood. So the boy is talking to the audience, describing a scene where his parents are buying a used car, trying to haggle with the salesman about price and him saying he can't give them a break. It's probably a car they can't afford, but they need it. So they take it. Shit. But the boy understands the concept of money and clearly understands his parents can't really afford this car. He sees his father working himself to the ground just so he can afford someone else's car. Oh. So he swears he's going to win the lottery someday so he never has to drive around in a used car ever again. And honestly, Bruce kind of did win the lottery. Yeah. The musical lottery. Yeah. Because now he has shows on Broadway that average people can't afford. (laughs) Good there for is, you, Bruce. I love Bruce Springsteen, but there is a bit of an irony in his, like, fame. Why? Well, I mean, because it's like he became famous and, like, you know, I think maybe lost a little touch with those oh, lower yeah. class roots. Yeah. And you I have don't think a he's podcast been... with the former president <laughs> of America. Yeah. And, like, again, has a show on Broadway that has, like, unattainable tickets for the average person. What show is it? Uh, it was just, like, Bruce Springsteen Broadway. Oh, fuck, it was, like, four or five <laughs> years ago. literally named it Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. And it's, it's just him performing. Oh, it's uh, him, him? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, just, like, it was a short-run show. I don't, oh, I don't know. He just thinks he can do everything, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, well, it's just, I think it was just him performing. I don't quote me on any of this, because I just heard that he had a show, and I heard that the tickets were very expensive. And I'm like, there's an irony in this, Bruce. Yeah. Just, I want you to think about it. I don't think he was upper class or even upper middle class by any means. No, no, no. Um, But he, I don't think he ever really wanted for anything. Or like, I I don't think he, I don't think there was any kind of real desperation in his family situation. Yeah, I think they were middle class. Yeah. Maybe even lower middle class. Like, because you got to make sacrifices. I know his dad didn't have, like, the highest paying job, and then mm-hmm. he kind of did odd jobs here and there, but um, I think if they were probably ever in dire straits, his grandfather would help them out. But, right. like, don't quote me on that, because I really don't know much at all about Bruce Springsteen's Right. We have not childhood. done a deep Bruce dive I yet. have not. So, like, I, I can understand where his dad felt inadequate yeah. when it came to bringing money home. And I believe his dad also suffered from mental health issues for most oh, of his shit. life. So, I think there might have been something like that working its magic wow. here. I did not know that. Yeah, so there's a lot that that I just I could not deep dive into this it's, week. That's fair, but um, would love to 
at some point if yeah. I find a real good book about Look for them real good books about Bruce Springsteen. I will say um, this song in general, I think, does hit that thing that a lot of people can relate to of just, man, I work so hard to afford to barely afford to drive someone else's car. I mean, how many people do you know who can buy a new car? Right. Like, not even... I mean, and even if you can, like, buy a new car, it's not like you're buying it outright. You're paying it off for years. Right. I do remember when my parents bought their first brand new car. Mm -hmm. It was a Saturn sedan. (laughs) When Saturns first came out, my mom got one. And she, I remember her, like, making a big deal out of being able to choose what she wanted in it and the color and, like, the features and everything. We still had to get practically bare bones, everything. Yeah. Didn't have power steering. It was manual and all that shit. But, like, it was my mom's first brand new car. Aww. And, Yeah. So, and we never had a brand new car since. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then your dad walks around and says, I drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> I deserve respect. This is a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> and you're like, no, dad, no one's ever going to respect you. Meanwhile, my dad was driving a GMC, like uh, the big ass things. Everybody thought it was a Bronco and it was not a Bronco, oh, but it looked like yeah. a Bronco. I know what you're talking about. I don't. And at one point, like all of the springs just gave out in the mm. the driver's seat and he had to prop the back of it up with like a two by four. So when the whole family was in the truck, one of us had to sit in the behind the driver's seat with our legs up on the board. Well, because <laughs> we couldn't put our feet down. This so, is yeah. what Bruce Springsteen was singing about. This is this is exactly what he was singing about. Yes, one hundred. They bought that that Bronco knockoff, <laughs> the used car Bronco. dealer. It's the Bronco. Uh, <laughs> so I, let's go on to the next one. Yeah, I bet I bet it'd be easy to drive it all night. If you if you're if you the know, used car dealership used car. was open all night, sure, sure, I'm not good at this. This it's called open all night. the only jaunty tunes on the album yeah open very on, jaunt quite jaunt much rock <laughs> so roll some billy <laughs> open all night is the only one that features an electric guitar oh that makes sense yeah it's pretty upbeat and very chuck berry-esque yeah despite the fact that the subject matter isn't as depressingly grave as the other songs on nebraska it still blends in seamlessly with the other songs yeah here we have a new character introduced to us though we don't have a name he is just a gearhead trying to get his car up and running so he can drive across new jersey and see his baby and eat some fried chicken it's chad isn't it it's probably a chad his name's chad yeah his sounds like a chad God, Bruce, why'd you write about a Chad? (laughs) 
Bruce was inspired to write the song after getting pulled over by a cop on the New Jersey Turnpike. Because Never want to drive on the New Jersey Turnpike, Nobody man. does. Don't do it. He was driving home from New York City one evening when he got pulled over. Even though the cop recognized Bruce as being the guy who, quote, wrote that Born to Run song. Wow. He still got a ticket and had to appear in traffic court. <laughs> Celebrities, they're just like us. <laughs> Thanks, People Magazine. <laughs> He paid his fine, and on his way out of court, the cops stopped him and said, Stop by any time, because out on the highway, we're open all night. Which seems totally fake, but maybe? Seems a little sexual. <laughs> so like, hey, we're open all night. Just letting you know. Just in case. You know, you gotta, got any uh, hankerings. Hey, hey, big boy, where are you going? Why don't you uh, come What's, visit us anytime? We're open all night. Want some fried chicken? I mean... Now I kind of do. Sounds really good. I could go for some nugs. Yeah. Real, real good. Like, Bruce just wanted some nugs real bad. And the cops <laughs> this were like, whole song was just about tasty nugs. <laughs> and the cop's like, nah. And he's like, please don't pull me over. Or wait, what, what is it? Like, don't uh, stop me or whatever. Please some, don't stop uh, me. That's something. I forgot. Yeah, please don't stop. Hey, hey, please cop. Don't, please don't, don't stop me. No. Don't, don't pull me over. I don't remember. We're going back to State Trooper. It's fine. We're we're past that song now. I know we are, but like I feel like you can relate a lot of these songs oh, back yeah. to each other. Absolutely. Especially this next song. Oh yeah. Which can relate to two other songs. Two. Two. Oh my goodness. Two, two, two songs. All right. <laughs> this is my father's house. I broke through the trees and there in the night My father's house stood Shining hard and bright The branches and brambles Tore my clothes and scratched my So we can actually relate this song back to not just Mansion on the Hill, but also used cars. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's more, it's more, more childhood more, memories, more childhood memories from Bruce. But this one's more like a dream state kind of memory. Yeah. So the character we're introduced to here is a bit of a complicated one. Once again, we're talking about a child, his memories, and a house. From what I understand of it, this is Bruce himself talking about a dream he had. Where he was a child running through some creepy and frightening woods, trying to get to his father's house before the darkness envelops him. Jesus. Fucking dark. And this is a recurring dream he had throughout most of his adult life. You know, this did very much give me the feeling of when you have like those dreams when you're falling and then you like kind of shake in your in yeah. real life and it wakes you up and you're like, oh, I hate it. And yep. it just reminds me of bad dreams you have that like you physically feel and you're like, fuck this. I didn't ask for any of this. Oh, it's like... It reminds me of dreams that I used to have and still sometimes have that are rather lucid. Mm. And I'm always trying to like either hit somebody or kick them and my hand or my foot just will not go. And I end up just like gently tapping their face and then they start laughing at me. Oh no. And it's like, wait, no, I'm trying to hit them. Why can't I hit them? 
And yeah, horrible, horrible fucking lucid dreams. It's like when you have dreams, like I have dreams a lot where I want to like go faster, move faster, oh, yeah. and I can't. And you can't run fast? Oh like, yeah, I have this all the time. Pain? I think I'm in pain. <laughs> I must be in pain. That's why I can't move faster. Yeah. Or like I'm trying to run from something or run to something and like I'm... I'm just Scooby Dooing on the floor, Seriously. and then I'm just going and I just can't move. Yeah, this does. Yeah, the song does really elicit that dream feeling. Yeah. So Bruce has said that he would often have dreams like that as an adult. He would dream about being a child, and his father would be with him. And more often than not, that mansion on the hill would feature prominently. Sometimes he would be on the outside looking into the house, or sometimes he would be the one living there. Ooh. For a long time, he would, in real life, in his real waking life, he would get in his car and drive around his old town, driving by the houses he grew up in, reliving the memories his family had in them, and he would do this up to four times a week. Wow. He realized it probably wasn't a healthy hobby. That's a... It's a... It's an interesting choice. Yeah. I so, mean, they didn't have the internet back then, so okay. They didn't. You know but, what? Yeah. You know, you really don't need to drive to your old town at like midnight and just creepily stalk your old houses. It's yeah, kind of weird. weird. It's kind of weird. So he went to a psychiatrist to figure out what was going on. Oh. The psychiatrist was like, something bad probably happened to you. And you going back to your childhood homes is you trying to fix whatever went wrong. Oh, shit. And he was like, yeah, that's probably it. And his psychiatrist was like, yeah, you have to stop doing that. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's it's not going to happen. Like, you, you can't fix it. So you just have to be okay with it. Yeah. What happened in your childhood is what happened. You yeah. just have to go through... The work of trying to be content with it. Well, I don't even think it's like being okay or being content with it. It's the working through Except it. Except that it happened. Acceptance and just a matter of things that happened to you in the past aren't what makes you who you are now. Right. And like having control over your life now and who you are now. Right. So yeah, it's an acceptance so that you can be present in your life right now. Yeah. So... My impression is that this this is the overarching theme in this album is shit that happened to Bruce when he was a kid. Damn. And that is that's the shit that he's dealing with in this album. So the bleakness, the isolation, the depression, the aloneness of the whole thing. Yeah. Maybe that's that's some shit he was dealing with when um, he was a kid. And he's now like, oh, fuck. This is hitting me in the face real hard. Getting off of this 140-day marathon tour that I just did. Yeah. And I'm tired and exhausted and dealing with my own mental stress. Yeah. This might be... These might be the themes that he's grappling with when he's trying to record this music. I can feel that. You know what, Bruce? I can feel that. This is some real cathartic Corona Times music to listen yeah, to. It really is. Again, this is a mood. And this is also why I was like, I should get this on vinyl yeah. and, and bring it home. And, you know, and just like a nice night, just put it on and 
make an old fashioned and sit around and contemplate life. I'm like, God, I'm a fucking <laughs> shitty little hipster shit, aren't I? Burst into tears for a good uh, 3.27 minutes and yeah. then be okay. Yeah. There you go. This is a good one to do that to. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. So that being said. Yes. Let's go on to the last song, which is Reason to Believe. Which might also be a good crier. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You can see you just like listen to this and the harmonica. So I'm like, I do still have a reason to believe. (laughs) (laughs) Into my fucking whiskey. I mean, I hope people take that as like the summation of it. Yeah. Like there should be a reason to believe. But eh, I don't know if that's really what he was going for here. Oh, no. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this song to me to me is a summation of the album as a whole mm-hmm. in the verses we're told about different people with different stories a man poking a dead dog with a stick hoping no. he'll come back to life oh god i didn't hear that line yeah, that's, that's in the beginning mary lou working her ass off for johnny who leaves her but she waits at the end of the road for him to come back every day no mary lou you can do better so much better A baby named Kyle William who is baptized in a river, the adults hoping the sin washes off of him, and a groom stood up by his bride at the altar, but still he waits for her to come back. Also, you can do better. You should find Mary Sue. Mary Lou? Find a different... Find a different bride. I'm just saying, like, y'all should meet up. Groom should meet Mary Lou. Yes. They can meet up and have a good life. Because they both got left by assholes. And then go adopt Kyle William and raise him in a secular, non-religious household, yeah. please. Yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> we fixed the song. <laughs> or we like we it. found part two. We made we created part two. Yeah. The Bruce Sprongston version. <laughs> the Bruce the Brace Sprongston Brace happily Sprongston ever after. <laughs> yeah. Part two. Electric Bugaloo. <laughs> God. Love it. Even with all this heartache and tragedy, people somehow find a reason to believe in whatever it is they want to believe in. There isn't much hope in this world, but these songs exemplify that, but you have to keep going somehow. Right. And like I said in the beginning, this entire album is bleak as fuck. Mm-hmm. Even that sliver of light during Reason to Believe, to me, seems forced and kind of sarcastic. Oh. Like, really listen to the song. I don't feel like Bruce is really believing what he's saying. Oh. So, I th- and considering the entire theme of the whole, and the entire tone of the whole album, I'm like, he's he's not believing this. He's being sarcastic about this. Oh, damn. Like, everybody finds a reason to believe. Like, yeah. Because you kind of have to or else you're just going to end up fucking like offing yourself yeah, or something because there really isn't anything to believe in, but you have to find it. Damn. 
that's how I interpret this song. Well, shit. Sorry, Bruce can be sarcastic. I mean, he can. He's allowed. He is allowed. Just like Born in the USA, how everyone thinks it's a really patriotic song, but it's super not. Yeah. So no, I do believe your interpretation of the song. Now that I think about it. The intention here wasn't to give people hope. It was to tell stories about real people with real demons. Everything seems grim and hopeless, and there's not a whole lot to live for sometimes, but we're still here. And I don't I don't know how to feel about this. It's real. It's it's morbid and it's dark, but it's still fucking real. Well, you know, a wise man did once say, you give me something to believe in. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? This was written during the Reagan era, so Oh god. I kind of feel where Bruce is coming from oh, with this. Oh wow, yeah, I know you threw that little bologna slab on the sandwich. Yeah. I'm like, all right, you yeah, know take what? Take that into consideration. All right, I'm I guess I'm eating this bologna sandwich now, even yeah. though I don't like bologna. None of us like bologna, but we're eating it. Yep. Just we're like the Reagan years. This whole, all of the 80s were just processed meat of a decade, mm-hmm. put in between two slices of Wonder Bread with some French's yellow mustard on it. Hey, don't you dare <laughs> do that to French's. They've French's done nothing is wrong. the least offensive of all of the ingredients French's in this sandwich. was like Stockholm syndrome into that sandwich. <laughs> all right. Don't you dare. It didn't know what it was getting into, literally. It's like that girl in that one song about the serial killer. Yeah, it, it's the Carol Ann Fugate of condiments. Yeah. <laughs> French's mustard. Moral of the story, guys. French's mustard did nothing wrong. It was held hostage by Oscar Mayer and Wonder Bread. My God. Someone's going to be like, actually, French's company. And like... Those sons of bitches. <laughs> we're going to find out tomorrow that they were just awful and overlooked a gazillion sexual assault cases. And, oh, God. And then we're going to have to eat our words. So with topped with a delicious amount of French's mustard. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Why do we always make ourselves hungry when we record? I don't know. <laughs> we always end up talking about food. Yeah. It's fine. I, d- I do not want a bologna sandwich, though. No, not at all. Like, no. Maybe a nice grilled cheese. Uh, that sounds delightful. Right. Let's go get that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for telling that delightful story about this album. <laughs> was it delightful? <laughs> it was very fucking interesting. It was informative. Like, certainly. And you know what? With this album, Bruce absolutely solidified him as one of the best storytellers in music. Period. Oh, easily. And... I think this is so essential because I think this is Bruce at one of his most authentic. Yes. You know, because clearly he was going through a personal hard time himself and made up these amazing stories in song that are unforgettable and so incredibly different from what he normally does. But it wasn't like as a way to sell records. It was a way to him for him to express himself. Yeah. And didn't really give a shit about selling records because yeah. honestly his records before that were, gr- yeah. um, were great and he had the foresight to see like I made all of these really great songs with the E Street Band and they sound amazing but they can't go on this album we have to put them aside we'll put them on the next album yeah. and that album's gonna also be a fucking banger right and I mean it was because yeah. then it was, born, it was in born in the USA so yeah this is a pretty amazing album and this backstory really wants 
makes me want to re-listen to it with all this information now. Yeah. And look at it differently. Yeah. Don't let it make you too depressed. <laughs> yeah, fucking. Or just, like, I don't know, have, like, Born to Run on the back burner for, like, when it's over and then just dance around to Dance in the Dark. Like, you're yeah. Courtney Cox. Yeah. Just pretend you're Courtney Cox when you know you're listening what? to this. Yeah. Cut your hair short. Yeah. Put on some skinny straight leg jeans and, and a white t-shirt and... Dance around like no one's watching. Just pretend you're with a really young Bruce Springsteen. Or Viggo Mortensen. Or even Brace Springs. Spring Spring Strong. We've changed his name 17 times, but I'm okay with it. Sprong String. Sprong String. That's it. Sure. Why not? Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show and Mm -hmm. learned something new that you didn't know about Mr. Springsteen. Indeed. And if you are into everything you've been hearing and want to hear some more, you can visit our website, rockcandypodcast.com. And over there, you can toss us an email if you've got any insight to anything that we've talked about yeah. or questions, comments, suggestions. We will take them all. Uh, contact us at rockcandypodcast.com. And also, you can follow us on the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Sorry we suck at social media, but we're trying to we're not. We're trying. Yeah. And our feed is totally fine now. Yes, I know. So, last, sorry last about week last we've week. We've had a lot of issues, but I think everything is up and running again. Thank you all for shouldn't your patience. Have, shouldn't have a problem. But yes, if you haven't yet, go listen to that episode that we just did with Muses last week. It was so much fun. It was super fun. We love Shanti and Lynx very much. And you know who else we love? We our love patrons. our patrons. Yeah, we fucking do. <laughs> yeah, so we have a shout out. For a new patron. Yes. Nate, thank you so much for, for donating your hard-earned cash. We super appreciate you. Air Love that horns, you listen to horns, us. Love that horns. you like us enough to donate to our Patreon. And if you guys want some bonus content, uh, usually we do news of the month, music news, but, you know, going to try to do a couple other things, maybe. Try Hopefully. A little, try to, like, spice it up a little bit. Try our, to be a little bit more creative. Yeah, it's been it's been a couple months, but like, yeah, let's let's uh let's have some fun with it. So yeah, yeah and also any of our patrons, you know, have suggestions. If you become a patron, you can throw us suggestions on things to talk about, look into. You know, if you want our opinions on any kind of music or albums or more like insight story, into anything, honestly, really, yeah. you want you want to hear more about nugs? All right. We'll look we'll, up some nug facts. I, Hashtag nug facts. <laughs> I have had plenty of nug in my life. Yeah. So I can certainly give you suggestions yeah, you on which nugs are best. Yes. The best nugs. Yeah. Yeah. So come on in next week. Uh, it'll be my turn to tell a nice fun story that I've been working on. So I'm excited to tell it. I am excited too because I would like to know about this band. Well, there you go. So next week we got a nice band story coming up for you. But until then, party on Ashley. Party on Maggie. And party on you crazy kids out there. Woohoo! <laughs> Woo! Woo! Ric Flair album! Woo!